Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, happy Tuesday, everyone. Sharks game day as we are getting ready for tonight's hopeful revenge tilt against the Detroit Red Wings. The San Jose Sharks entered the day with a record of 19-16-1. They have played 36 games on the year, 39 points, one point back of Calgary, two points back of L.A., six points back of Anaheim, and eight points back of Vegas, who are in first. If we look at the wild card standings, the Sharks are in third, one point back of second place Calgary, and five points back of first in the wild card Minnesota. But the Sharks are coming off of two straight wins, and they are getting healthier. They are getting back to their lineup tonight. Logan Couture, Lane Peterson, and Eric Carlson. Earlier today, Logan talked about his experience with COVID, and thankfully it did not sound like it was too bad. Yeah, lonely. Um, got to know my hotel room pretty well. Not very big there, um, but I uh, got through it. Um, I didn't feel sick at all. Uh, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have known that, uh, that I had anything, uh, which is a good thing. I mean, that's, that's basically the best uh, outcome is, is to feel healthy and um, feel good, ready to go, happy to be on the ice with the guys. Uh, certainly miss it when you're not around um, the guys and the team and uh, just the atmosphere. And I uh, was happy to see them play extremely well uh, in Philadelphia and, and win the game in, in Buffalo. And it makes it easier when you're not playing and the team wins and guys play well. Um, so sitting there watching, watching games, smiling when, when we're winning. While we're on this vein of Logan Couture and COVID, he was also asked if he could stay in shape in the hotel room. I tried to do some sit-ups and push-ups. Um, didn't get too many sit-ups in. I got a few push-ups. Uh, I've heard I need to work on my upper body, so I did really focused on those, but um, that's about it. So while I am glad that Logan Couture is back and that he is relatively healthy, I think that there is going to be two potential games out of him tonight. I think that he has the opportunity to jump off the ice and be really fresh and look really good, or he might be rusty, his legs might be a little bit tired, and he might not be the otherwise impactful player that we hoped he would be. Obviously, he is a very, very talented individual, and his game, even when it's not at his best, is still better than most. So I'm very excited to see what he brings, and it's just good to have the captain back, right? I mean, that's exactly what you want. In any given game situation, you want to see a guy like Logan Couture back out there on the ice. And then, you know, you think about what we've been getting out of the Sharks lately. You know, some odd performances. You had the the game against the Coyotes, and then you had the home game against Philadelphia, blasted by Pittsburgh, blasted by Detroit. Then you come back with nice wins against Buffalo, and then a wild comeback against Philadelphia. And you like to think that there is some sort of momentum that can be built off of that. And we did also hear from Logan Couture when talking about the fact that Hurdle has been stepping up more and more as a leader. And I actually like the stories he shared here. Uh, I think probably once his English got a little bit better. Um, I think uh, the first couple of years, 
it may have been, he was yelling, but it may have been tough to understand exactly what he was saying. Um, so since his English has been better, uh, he feels more comfortable speaking, uh, speaking his mind. Um, you know, he's an extremely talented player. He's playing uh, elite hockey right now. Um, we're happy to have him. Um, so hopefully he continues. Yeah, Hurdle is playing elite hockey right now. That's one of the most fun things about him right now. He is continuing to just tear it up and playing just incredible, incredible hockey. And that's exactly what you need when you are shorthanded, when you are dealing with injuries, when you've got guys on the COVID list, whatever the case might be or has been or will be for the Sharks going forward, having guys like Tomas Hurdle, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, having them with the ability to step up and get it done, to me, that is just ultimately the the most important thing beyond, you know, you know, obviously we look to the team structure, but sometimes that's all going to break down. You know, you're not going to have as many guys as you need to accurately perform underneath the structure, or you are going to stick to your structure, and then it's not going to yield the results. And unfortunately for the Sharks, they were behind 2-0 the other night, but fortunately for them, they did stick to their guns. They did go with their ultimate strengths, and they found themselves in a really good position to strike back in that game. Logan Couture wasn't there. Eric Carlson wasn't there. Tomas Hurdle was there. Timo Meyer was there. And those guys, especially Hurdle with a natural hat trick in the third period into the overtime for the winner, that's the type of huge performance you need. And we also shouldn't overlook how good Aiden Hill has been in his last couple of performances and how much he's going to have, again, an onus on him tonight because Reimer, he's been placed on the IR, but it's retroactive to a couple uh, or to last week, so he won't be out for too much longer. But the fact is... Hill has stepped up big time once again and watching that performance and, you know, it's awesome to see. But we also don't know if immediately we are going to see something happen to Aiden Hill and then you've got Sachenko getting another opportunity. So right now, the whole idea for the Sharks, let your best players be your best players, have guys step up, find ways to win and also incorporate the younger guys. Ryan Merkley showed some really good promise earlier in the year when he came up when the Sharks were shorthanded. And once again, as he's getting this opportunity, he's getting the look again. Here's Bob Bugner. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, uh, Ryan's in there because he deserves to be in there. I thought he uh, um, played a couple good games for us on the road trip. And, uh, um, you know, and I want to make this a challenge every night. It's, it shouldn't be a given that who's playing. And, and you know, he's, he's really pushed some guys that, uh, that were ahead of him. And, uh, um, yeah, he helps us on the power play. I think you saw in Philly when his unit went out there, he moved it well. Trying to find a spot for him, Carly, and Burnsy to work, that's a little bit of a challenge, but we've got a couple different ideas for tonight. Um, but generally, you know, not just because of power play, but his five-on-five -five game was good. He didn't give up much. He moved pucks. He helps us with our possession. Um, and, you know, we're always looking for more offense from our lineup. Now, obviously, that means the Sharks do have some guys out on defense. Redeem Shimek is one. This is what Bob Bugner offered on him. Yeah, no setback. I think, you know, we looked at it saying we want Ryan Merkley in there. I thought Magnus played well as well. Um, but, you know, Simmer, let's be honest, he's, he's had one practice since the game in Buffalo, and that was yesterday. That was his first time on the ice. So um, I'd like to get him a couple practices and, and get him ready for Thursday if uh, if he feels that, uh, you know, and see how we do as a team. And, all you know, there's decisions to be made every day. But that was basically it. He's just only been on the ice one yesterday for 35 minutes uh, since Buffalo. And so that was the uh, update on Shimek. And I don't think that we are going to get much of a timeline on Middleton. I think he's just kind of listed his day to day right now. But I, again, look at the opportunity that some of these players are being given. And to me, that is the most important thing in a year where the Sharks, like I said, I'm not trying to patronize any of you. I don't think that they are going to be winning a Stanley Cup. And so while I do want them to make it into the playoffs, 
I also want them to be able to develop talent. And there's no better way to do that than what is going on right now. And Bob Bugner talked a little bit more about Ryan Merkley and, and the things that he's done, the improvements that he's made versus where he was, um, you know, maybe a year ago or even before that. You know, I think it's that commitment to playing better D and, and, and more details. I think that, uh, you know, I guess the knock would be uh, earlier on, maybe last year, training camp or, you, you know, that he's got, he needs more time. He's got to still keep working on his details defensively. And I think he's done that. Um, you know, it's not perfect yet, but uh, there's a lot of things that he's done really well to, um, you know, to, to work on his game. I think that, you know, on our back end, uh, where we struggle a little bit is, is some giveaways on our breakouts and, uh, and, and you know, and, and possession, um, clean possession. And I think he helps us with both of those. He sees the ice. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty, he's a calming effect back there. And, uh, you know, he's getting better. He's improving and, and uh, he deserves to be playing again. I mean, that's pretty high praise from Bob Bugner, right? I mean, when you hear a guy talking about your game like that and saying you deserve a chance to play again, I like that. And I know that he's also probably trying to build him up a little bit, but that's so much of what I appreciate about Bob Bugner, the head coach. He doesn't BS guys. He tells it like it is. And I know that's often an overused term in our society, but Bugner, he's pretty darn honest. He's not going to cut a guy a lot of slack. He's not going to try and save face for a guy. He tells it like it is. And I think that when he thinks that Ryan Merkley has earned a chance to play more, that's great. That's exactly what you want to hear out of your younger players. And that's the type of compliment that you want heading into a stretch of your season like this where, yeah, these guys might not otherwise be playing, but he's saying, hey, when there is opportunity, he's proven himself to be worthy of the opportunity. And, you know, Logan Couture also had very, very positive things to say about Merkley. Uh, very talented. I, I don't think... Um... I think from day one, I've seen Merckx, he's the talent, you know, it, it seeps out of him. He, he makes such elite plays at the puck and uh, his, his game, he's, he's shown growth that uh, he's, he's defending and taking pride in defending and um, yeah, he's played great. Given the opportunities that he's, he's been given, he's, he's come in and, and, and uh, taken those roles upon himself and performed well. So I definitely like the things that we are hearing there. And Logan Gutcher overall in talking at Morning Skate this morning seemed to be in a very good mood, a lot of positivity, very much upbeat. And I think that's exactly what you want. And I think for him, you know, he's a captain of this team, A, and B, he's a, he's a hockey guy. He doesn't want to be away from his team. He wants to be out there and play. And I'm sure he wants to help this team get revenge against Detroit tonight, something I would imagine is paramount for a little bit more on the Detroit Red Wings. We are joined once again by Max Boltman of The Athletic. And uh, Max, what's going on, man? Uh, long time, no talk. Yeah, no kidding. It's been it's been a while now, eight, eight whole days. Here. I know. Uh, I don't know how we're going to make it. Yeah, seven, close enough. I mean, you have the, the, the time difference, so you got to deal with yeah, that. Right. Um, well, the important question is, because we, last time we were talking about burritos, were you impressed with the burrito you got yesterday? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I went to uh, I just went to this place called the Iguanas right by my hotel. Yeah, for sure. No, that place is good, good for sure. Yeah, great, are, great sauce. Are you going to get another one today or tonight? You know, I'm meeting up with uh, our Sharks writer Corey Massasat yeah. for dinner, so I, I'm letting him pick the spot. So I guess we'll find out if it's uh, if it's a burrito spot or if it's something else. There you go. There you go. Yeah, no, because he's learning all the spots too, so uh, he's getting to uh, right. learn everything. Um, you know, obviously, hockey stuff going on. What did you learn about that matchup a week ago other than, um, you know, I, I guess that the Red Wings can sh score a shorthanded goal after a 100-game drought? 
Yeah, I know. They, they didn't wait 100 games to score their next one. I think they just waited a few seconds to do it. Um, <laughs> Seven. Weird, yeah, that, I mean, that was an interesting – yeah, right, exactly. Uh, weird, weird one, but um, no, I mean, I thought I thought it was uh, kind of a, a fluky game in a couple ways in terms of that, but um, but the Red Wings did score, and I think that's something they, they badly needed to to do. And, it's, you know, the, for those who shorthanded goals to come on a five-minute San Jose uh, power play – kind of flipped that game at that point and it and at that point it was probably uh that was probably yeah dylan larkin had a, had a really big goal a little later after the sharks started to get some push i do not expect it to be that lopsided tonight um and, and larkin out tonight is, is a huge difference maker for both of those teams i mean san jose now matchup wise is going to have a ton of leeway to to pick their matchups and, and get what they want against the red wings larkin's a He's a, he's a difference maker in every facet of the game. So uh, his absence, I think, is going to be a huge storyline tonight. And I certainly do not expect uh, anything as lopsided as we saw in Detroit last Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, what did what did you think of that game before things got kind of weird? Because the Sharks, I thought, actually had a pretty good start. And the goal they gave up to make it a one nothing goal, it was kind of like, oh, well, that you know that was just kind of fluky. But I felt good about the Sharks. And then there was the the five minute major. And I guess we can start there. I wasn't sure that that was going to yield a five minute major. Um, what did you think it was? Uh, I, this was the Smith hit, right? Yeah. Yeah. On, uh, on Middleton. Yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was a five. I thought, you know, I, I don't know that he was really trying to hurt him or anything like that, but it, I, I did think the head was the a main point of contact there. And I thought it was a five. And, and to your point though, like it was a game where at that point that happens. And in, in a lot of ways, I think that swings the game weirdly in the Red Wings favor they take the five minute penalty, but because they score the two shorthanded goals on it, you know, they come out of that, you know, obviously double plus, and and it's really hard for, for San Jose to come back after that. So I thought that was a defining point in that game. Usually you see a five minute uh, power play be defining the other direction, but uh, yeah, I, 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 anyway, I'm rambling, but uh, I I thought it was a legit five. And and obviously that time it actually paid off for the Red Yeah, no, it was, it was uh, impressive. I mean, that, that was the thing on the other side of that, I was thinking to myself, like, man, if I am a Red Wings fan right now or someone on their staff, I'm thinking that is, that's a game changing. That's one of those things that you can point to later in the year when you go to adversity and be like, hey, we scored two shorties on a five minute major. You know, like that's something they can look at. And I, you know, especially when they'd had the trouble scoring a shorthanded goal and the, the penalty kill ranking has not been particularly great. I mean, do you think that, that that game did do anything for them or has it been more of the you're not really sure which Red Wings team is going to show up other than the correlation with home and away? Yeah, I mean, they went on the road to uh, to California right after that and mm-hmm. their next game gets postponed a few hours before puck drop. They go to L.A. and get run off the ice in the first period. They you know, they, they were in a situation that I think it was 27 to two were the shots after the first period, um, that, that next game in LA. And so, you know, they, they played a little better the rest of the way, but it, you, you're not going to recover from that basically. And they were already in quite the hole. So they go to Anaheim. I thought they played a good game in Anaheim. I thought they'd probably deserve to win in Anaheim, but they lose that one in the shootout. And now here they are coming into San Jose without, uh, Dylan Larkin, who's their captain. And to me, still probably their best player. So it's, they're, they're in a little bit of a tough spot here uh, coming into this one. Yeah, and the Sharks are starting to get a little bit more healthy. They're getting Logan Couture back for this one. That's right. Uh, they're getting Eric Carlson uh, back in their lineup again. And it, it'll be interesting because the Sharks are, you know, they've been consistently inconsistent over the course of the year. So I'm, I'm curious to see. Now, obviously, there's the, the news that's come out of, um, you know, hiring uh, Nicholas Lidstrom as the VP of Hockey Operations. Um, what, what's your 
reaction to this? I mean, did, did we hear this brewing? Because I hadn't specifically heard this brewing. No, as, as most things uh, under Steve Eiserman do, this one came uh, out of nowhere. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, no, no, no real warning on it. But, you know, like it, it's a thing where the, the Red Wings have had some success, whether it be Steve Eiserman himself, whether it be Chris Draper as their director of amateur scouting. Um, both of those two guys started in kind of roles similar to this, where whether whether you want to call it a VP of hockey ops or a special assistant to the GM, mm-hmm. you bring in somebody who very clearly knows hockey, and you, and you say, well, why don't you come into the front office, figure out where you fit, and and figure out where kind of your path is going to be. That to me, my understanding kind of is is how this is going to shake out with Nick Lidstrom, obviously one of the greatest defensemen to ever play, one of the greatest hockey players to ever yeah. play in the NHL, and so you you bring a guy like that in. Obviously, someone who Steve Eiserman trusts, wants his opinion, wants him to be involved in every facet of the organization right now. And at some point, maybe he decides he wants to specialize like a Draper did, like Nick Cronwall, who came in as kind of a special advisor to the GM and ends up in player development. Or maybe he kind of takes the executive path like Eiserman did. So it should be interesting to see. But, you know, I, I think in Detroit, they're just really happy. It just kind of feels like getting the band back together, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you, you can't argue with uh, with bringing a seven-time Norris winner in. I mean, that's always going to make you feel good. That's I, you, right. I, you know, was there a void? Did, did it feel like there was something that needed to be done in the front office? Because my general impression from you and other people that I had talked to is that things seem to be trending in the right direction. Does this indicate that maybe that wasn't the thought in the front office, or is this just a way of bolstering the front office? Yeah, no, I don't think there, there was no vacancy, basically, if that's what you mean. I think the, the Iserman and Nick Lidstrom kind of started talking uh, at the Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony a month, month and a half ago now, however long it's been. And really what it is is Lidstrom was ready to get back in, right? He, he His family was now in a position where he felt like he could do that, and, and he kind of wanted to get back involved, get back in the game, and get back with the Red Wings. So I don't think it's so much that there was a, a vacancy that he filled as he was ready to get back in and, when Nick Lidstrom's ready to get back in, I think they were more than happy to do that. Do you think this means there's going to be an aggressive offseason? No, not necessarily. I mean, it's the, the place that they're in, they have not gone to that, you know, eight year deals and top dollar money. And would it shock me if after the arrival of Raymond and Cider, they're a little more um, open to kind of those deals on players who aren't 23, 24, 25 years old? You know, that's certainly possible, but I wouldn't take this as a signal that uh, keys in the ignition, you know, go, 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 that kind of thing. I think, I don't think the plan has changed for them. And while I've still got you here, we're talking to Max Boltman of The Athletic here on the Sharks Audio Network. I forgot to ask you in our last interview about Thomas Bordalo, who you've actually been able to see in person. I know that a lot of Sharks fans are waiting for uh, his arrival to the, to the franchise. I really like him, and I, I'm really bummed for the kid because he's had his probably about as tough a go in terms of hockey and COVID as anyone I can think of. But you think of the events that he's had to miss out Mm -hmm. on due to this virus, where it was his world U 18s, you know, the world juniors a couple of years ago, I think his roommate might've tested positive or he was a close contact or something. So he he couldn't go to that. Michigan get, has to back out of the NCAA tournament because of COVID last year. And then this year, you know, obviously the world juniors basically end up getting canceled, but even if they hadn't, you know, he obviously was going to have to miss them. Mm -hmm. So, I feel real bad for, for him, and I'm sure Sharks fans, for that reason, haven't been able to see him quite as much. But I think they're going to really like the player that he is. I think when, when you when you look at him on the ice, you think, okay, he's a littler guy. He's got to be all offense. But I actually think there's some 
I mean, obviously he's got offense, but I think there's some real detail elements in there where I've seen him take some face-offs and think, okay, I think this is a guy who at least might have a chance to stick it at center at the NHL level. I believe I've seen him kill penalties. So I, I think he's, I think he's a player. Sharks fans are going to really like, I really like him as a player. I think, I think he's really good. Awesome, Maxwell. I know you got stuff to do, man. Really appreciate your time as always. And we'll talk soon. All right. All right. You take care. Max Boltman of The Athletic, everyone, and we are just about out of time, but remember our pregame coverage starts tonight at 7. Game time, 7.30, as the San Jose Sharks play host to the Detroit Red Wings from SAP Center. The San Jose Sharks looking to make it three wins in a row, and I would hope that there's just a little bit of momentum that can be taken off that road trip. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off.